evening, good morning, good day, whatever the time zone is. We're already on Legend of the Internet. And this would be, yeah, this would be the first time I would be hosting. So be nice. Although you're free to comment uh, whatever on the chat <laughs> about feedback here on this episode. Because this would be the episode where we will be featuring the game theorists. Yeah, it's mostly about MatPat. Just a heads up on there. We have some notes. I sent some notes over as well to the others. And then this, and we will be talking about some of the games that he reviewed and some of the issues that he'd gotten into. Because, um, so where would you like? So yeah, say hello and hi, uh, Sammy and Solo. Hey, hey I'm hey. back, everyone. Hello, hello. Yeah, we got some familiar faces in this new host episode. I think a good place to start is just where we each come into the story of game theory. I don't know about you guys. I was I went back through his channel. I actually have his the channel page open right now. I was scrolling back through to see when when I would have started watching. I was pretty early. Like, I I remember some of these um some of these thumbnails still to this day, um. But I remember back when I was in middle school through about I think halfway through high school I used to watch uh, game theory, pretty much every time they made an upload. Uh, I think I must have dropped off at about. Oh, I want to say about like two years ago, I I dropped off. It was right around the time, uh, that that YouTube Premium show came around. That he made. He made a YouTube Premium show. Yeah, Game Lab. Yes, he has. I keep forgetting everyone did that at one point. <laughs> yeah, you, YouTube gave a bunch of creators some money. Back when YouTube Red first launched, and back when it was called YouTube Red, um, and so like Matt Pat got a show called Game Lab. PewDiePie got a show. Uh, PewDiePie's show was so successful it got a second season before it got canceled. Even though it is completely finished, by the way, that that entire second season of Scare PewDiePie does exist. They just won't release it. Yeah, it's like on a hard drive. It's like what happened to all the machina, all the machinima videos. Yeah, we would be mentioning later on machinima since Mad Pat discussed about getting into an, a multi-channel network in the past. And since you're familiar with the video he made about they stole 1.7 million dollars, right? Yeah, he's in the middle of that right now. Uh, we're, we we'll, we'll probably get to that as we go chronologically through the events but he is one of the uh groups of people being affected by defy media uh just suddenly folding out of nowhere and uh kind of taking all of their creators money and running um even ca even causing a financial detriment to the uh to the bank that they had all of that money tied up in which is <laughs> really really dumb i like com scummy companies do this a lot and it really hurts when it's uh, especially in this case when it's people's livelihoods 
like a majority of the channels that are being affected by this i'm not a fan of um like matt pat and like smosh and other uh channels that were like this but for real this is people's livelihoods and you are really scummy for doing something like this like i th- i forget what what that what that uh what anthony anthony padilla who used to be a part of smosh uh said when it all happened he's like i'm no longer with smosh so i can't talk about this my only question is i was working at smosh as they were a part of defy now all i have to think is where did all of that money go because there's no way that yeah it's just gone (laughs) (laughs) yeah we'll go into that so let's start uh, with the notes that we have here since some of the notes that I've made uh, I would be commenting on them based on what I understand for example there's this video that he made entitled game theory why Mario is mental there were two parts of that um, two parts of that uh, video yeah he split them into two parts because he understood the the power of cliffhanger yeah he under he 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 used a lot of tactics in his time on YouTube. <laughs> he still does this to an extent. Say what you want about Matt Pat and like the quality of his videos or how you see him as a person, but uh, I think it's actually insanely interesting how how well he knows the algorithm and how he's been able to not fall in the shuffle whenever the whenever the algorithm makes a tiny little change. He, he's done, if I remember right, he's done a few, like, speeches at conventions or, like, college campuses where, like, just full, like, hour and a half long speeches, like, here is what me and my wife do to keep the channels from falling under, and this is, like, how we plan out the thumbnails, how we plan out the tags, how we uh, time out how long it is, etc., well, he admitted being deliberate on the thumbnail so that he would immediately get the attention first on the thumbnail and second on the title, wherein, you know, the title alone, Why Mario is Mental, a lot of uh, players uh, would react to that, but he's referring first to how he men- he noted or he mentioned how it's more of an allegation that Mario is uh, being abusive to animals simply because of the, do- the Donkey Kong connection. I have played Donkey Kong when I was in elementary, that's more than 10 years ago. I did not realize immediately that it was Mario, although some folks uh, tried to debunk that it's not Mario that's whipping Donkey Kong to stay up his lane, but still, since Pat knew that it would get a lot of views, you know, clickbait, that he still discussed it. and. It's it's purely more on the observation he has than actual verifications on whether Mario is indeed the villain on Donkey Kong and uh, why Mario is mental. On the part two, on the part one, he focused on how Mario might be abusive to animals, and then on part two, he mentioned how Princess Peach might not be the only woman in Mario's life. That he had this other woman here the dark-haired uh, guest or friend whenever he uh, Matt Pat specifically mentioned how Mario was at this event and then the special guest to cut the ribbon 
is not Princess Peach, but that woman whose name still <laughs> skips on my memory. But she's on uh, Pauline. Oh uh, yeah, Pauline. Pauline. Uh, she she's the one with the dark hair and the red dress, right? She is. She is the one in Donkey Kong and showed back up in Odyssey. Okay, so yeah, it's one of the earliest videos that MatPat made that speculated on what really is the real score between Mario and Peach because are they really in a relationship or uh, Mario just enjoys um, saving the damsel in distress. Some men enjoys uh, playing the hero, saving the damsel in distress, like not always uh, the kind that I, I like. But well, based on the games that I've played in the past, um, yeah, it's like Mario would go through all of these, uh, all of these uh, chambers, or <laughs> go through all of the plumbing just to get uh, and save uh, Peach. And then later on, you'd realize that Mario had a thing for another woman. Mario's got like three women in his whole like game span. Like he's got he had Daisy at one point, Peach. Oh yeah, that's four. I will say, like a lot of a lot, whenever people try and make theories about Nintendo games or franchises, it's very much Nintendo does not have a story in mind, and they just make whatever they want to make, and then people speculate on it. This was very. I I, I liked uh, Nintendo proving everybody wrong with the whole Zelda timeline thing with the release of Breath of the Wild, because everyone was like. In the lead up to the game coming out, they're like, "Oh, I wonder which timeline Breath of the Wild's gonna be in." And then when it comes out, they per uh, they purposefully make it break the entire timeline because the hey, uh, spoiler, there is no real timeline, and they were kind of forced to make one because everyone told them to make one. None of the games fit chronologically, which is why like stuff. Nothing matters. Largely dependent on the gamer. Just like stop, stop, stop trying to draw lines where there are none. It's just video games. Have some fun. Kill some monsters. It's just, it's fun. <laughs> I think the, around the time MatPat made the Mario video two-parter was around the time he started getting more and more clickbaity and sort of on the less note note of his topic. Because there are a lot of times in MatPat's videos, even to his early videos. Where he would just blatantly lie and make something up for the game, like, and say like, like say something about the game, and then it's like the first time you play the game, the first thing you hear is something that disapproves what he says about the game, and it's like, oh hey, I like he's, yeah, MatPat says like, oh hey, this theory happened. It's like you don't know if he's pulling our leg or he's just shilling against. Yeah, like we don't know, we don't know if he's a satire or if he's like serious about this. Like, does he actually believe us? He's like shilling for Deltarune or Friday Nights at Freddy's and then shilling against uh, Mario or some of these uh, Nintendo games. There was a lot, there was a, a bit of a shift. Like, if you go back through his earlier videos, you'll see, like, how much would, like, a full suit of armor made out of diamonds, like, from Minecraft, like, cost in real money? And, like, that's a, that's a, that's, that's a, that, that is a video that you can kind of put a scientific... A scientific number on like okay he's trying to present himself as a scientifically gifted or scientifically knowledgeable person when in fact the moment you start there's like an error with the video though it's like there are hundreds of different kinds of diamonds like you like what you can't just say oh di regular price of diamond is 
unless you round out each price of every individual diamond. And that's what he does, and like it's it has some footing in reality. And then you like skip forward a few years, and you go from something that's at least kind of grounded like that, or like how fast would a bullet bill actually go, or like whatever, to like th- like that whole like thing where he keeps talking about the 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 running joke about War- Wario's size b- by counting pixels. That's a funny joke, and I appreciate that. But then you get into like the the moment you ask him for his references, he does not provide any. That's the biggest thing. It's like, where, uh, what do you pull this out of your ass? Yeah, Mapad does not like to credit things during his live streams too, especially during the time he got he got outed on Twitter. In real time, I saw that uh, Mapad was trending on Twitter, and I was like, what happened? Did it, usually people only trend on Twitter if they died? So is he dead? And I looked through it, and I found I found. I found Toby's tweet, and I was like, oh my god, this man who purposefully avoids social media because he knows how, like, cancerous and awful it is, he he took the time to call this man out publicly on Twitter. Yeah, and uh, for for those who don't know what happened, uh, Matt and Pat did a live stream about a a fan game, like an indie game, and basically in order to get views in the game, because... He decided to, oh, I'll just reference Undertale since it looks Undertale. And he called it Undertale, he uh, he tagged it Undertale, and it spread around. And then eventually people realized, this isn't Undertale. And it caused like the game's creator to basically call out MatPat on Twitter. And that sort of went with the following. Yeah, he insists that there's a connection between Undertale and Deltarune. Like, does it matter if they have a connection or not? It's a game that people enjoy. Toby has said that the games have nothing to do with each other other than the fact they share characters. I don't blame MatPat for doing this because man's gotta eat, but like, like I will I will say, uh, the Game Theorist is very much Baby's first critical analysis channel. It is perfectly fine. I think the problem that most people have, I think the problem that most people have is that they grow out of his content and they don't learn how to they don't learn how to ignore him they think that it's like now their duty to like call him out no he just makes bad content and like it takes a lot of effort time and he i'm assuming he pays his people well or else they wouldn't still be working for him and so like he's running a business just when you grow out of his content learn to grow out of his content and stop like making these massive call out posts like you're this white knight on Twitter is like Matt Pat's a fraud. He doesn't cite his sources. He's a disgrace on the entire platform. He doesn't cite his sources and that it and that is a legitimate problem. But it's become overplayed at this point to be like, oh this guy is fucking like yeah, everyone knows he makes bad content. You don't have to keep saying it. Like, it, so what if he's made, let me, let me actually check the playlist. Let me actually check the playlist right now. Let me see. Yeah, because, yeah, you, I included the Rosalina Unmasked since that's the, that's, I think that's the best sign that MadPat realized that his audience is growing. They have outgrown the uh, Mario and Peach's storyline that they have now moved forward to Rosalina and then even if there's no storyline or continuity with it, people would still be interested who is Rosalina, what does she have to do with the story, and how. what if the broken storyline 
suddenly made it li- made it look like uh, Rosalina was the child of Mario and uh, Peach, and he explained that in detail, only to backtrack on part two of the same video. Rosalina and Mask were in the main the main reason or the main evidence, quote unquote, that he used to. Uh, to push out the narrative that Rosalina might be the daughter of Peach is that Rosalina and uh, Peach had similar earlobes like the earlobes are not round they have like the dangling earlobes it's like okay so does this mean that every person with a dangling earlobe starts checking out his mother's earlobe or his father's earlobe to see if they're compatible and then the main thing that flip made him flip the script I, I can sense that this is deliberate on MatPat's end to flip the script since he just checked out Luigi and then Rosalina had similar earlobes to that of Peach and Luigi instead of Mario so he then started providing this theory that yeah maybe the timeline really is broken there was a time there might be that time that Peach had this brief affair behind Mario's back. Well, Mario, it, well, he already accused Mario having an affair behind Peach's back. So yeah, it to make it fair, he then speculated that Peach might ha- be having an affair of her own, that with Luigi, and that affair bore fruit, and that is Rosalina. And of course, it it it's he's out to uh, to get us thinking about what theory happened, what occurred, what timeline occurred, what timeline might this have happened even if Nintendo already mentioned later on that there is no timeline and then this so so yeah everyone everyone suddenly started playing Galaxy and yeah there's an effort with clickbait again yeah if you need further evidence that like that MatPat gets kind of reachy with some of his content especially recently uh, his first Five Nights at Freddy's video was made in the year that the first game came out, 2014. It's now 2019. It's been it's been five years. Over the course of five years, he has made 23 videos on the franchise. And I get it. Like, at first, I can get behind it because Scott Cawthon purposefully makes it so esoteric and so hard to follow that you kind of have to have someone break it down for you. But at some point, like, I think you can cut about 10, like five to 10 of these videos out of the playlist and you'll still be able to like get the story of Five Nights at Freddy's. Yes. Well, Friday Nights at Freddy's, I just watched some playthroughs and it's like, they're just shifting cameras. Like A, a game as simple as that, he would make theories about. Yeah, like the 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 main draw to FNAF is is that you it's it's the story and it's just after like oh you got a beginning middle end in like FNAF one two three then he starts making FNAF four and it's like oh but it's all a dream oh but there's more now there's like three books and a movie that's still in hell like yeah it, it's gonna it, you know what's gonna happen with the movie it's gonna be like it's gonna be like the Slenderman movie and come out extremely late when this franchise is- dude I can't wait I will be in the theater day one opening night I want to be there I will be there and I'll be like that fat that like that kid um. That did. I don't want to say fat kid. I like this guy. He's he was doing himself. I love this kid. I want to figure out who he is, or they are. 
because they are in a like brown onesie with like a, <laughs> a bear mask and like two tissue boxes taped to their face to like make the mouth and they're walking around a mall like hi do you serve bears here <laughs> do you guys serve pizza like why does that sound like something Chris Chris Chan related? It's so funny. Um, you can't help but reference Chris Chan, don't you? <laughs> we've we've met our, our our legends quota. We have to mention Chris Chan at least once per episode, or else we do not get uh, ad revenue. We have to mention Chris Chan at least once. We can put it in the tags. It gives us a reason to put Chris Chris Chan in the tags. Yeah, I just put Christian on the tag if ever it still works. But anyway, and yeah, remember speaking of movies, this is why one of the I found one of the videos that MatPat made here on saying why video game movies suck and surprise surprise he mentions Yui Bowl. Until now I don't know if that's the right way to say his name, if Yui Bowl or We Bowl or You Bowl. You know, Yui Bowl is is infamous for just making bad movies to get German tax credit. And I mean, I got to give it to the man. He knows how to game the system. <laughs> like I can't fault him on that. Fights his critics in like the ring and absolutely beats the shit out of them. I can't. I love it. I love that his ego is so big that he will actually fucking box people. Like, oh, you thought my movie was bad, huh? Let's put I'll put my fist in your mouth. Yeah, there really are people who have a problem handling criticism. Maybe not as bad as Amy's Baking Company. We would be featuring later on in the season. And you will be uh, act, um, challenging people to a fist fight simply because he can't handle criticism. I, c I still consider that as the saner alternative to suing people like Digital Homicide did. Like, uh, just accept that this movie is bad and you're just after the tax credit because um, based on what I've learned on taxation um, in law school, yeah, some people... The government will forgive you if your first year on business you generated losses. It's like, yeah, bi losses are part of businesses. But if you do it and then the second year you generated losses, and then the moment you still generated losses on the third year, that's when the government starts asking you, why are you still in business if you keep generating losses? You're already running on negative, on on a negative cash flow at that at this point. So. That's the first thing that came to mind the moment that Matt Pat said. At least this time he referenced some articles and putting them on a screenshot that mid 2000s the government of Germany suddenly realized, "Hey, you're enjoying too much credit from us. You have you if you're going to make movies, you should at least make the people care about these movies." But by the time it happened, other production companies have already realized that, "Yeah, uh, generating profit out of losses is still possible. Generating profits out of losses or generating a positive outcome of out of a negative output it's, is still possible. And then he even used the producers as an example. You know the film by that starred Matthew Broderick, the producers, wherein they planned on having losses on a musical and then it made money and then it, the scam was unfolded yeah 
that was the same that was the same concept that Yui Bowl did which is why he made movies like Tomb Raider the one with Angelina Jolie uh, in the name of the king I've um, it was also based on the game which is why a lot of these games um, they they get away with sucking simply because there are tax credits for losses here and then he also mentioned the Super Mario movie where uh, Bowser was looked like a human with looks like a blonde biker with uh, with corns instead of a crocodile with a turtleshell with spikes and then Toad looks like a biker with black short mohawk and black eyeliner and then yeah they were just big men with little tiny heads I think that I think the old video game movies are probably the best things to ever come to the cinematic realm because simply because of Honestly, the Mortal Kombat movies are hilarious. If you have never watched, they are so good. They are, right now they are if I remember right, they are both on Hulu. If you have a Hulu subscription, please do yourself a favor and go watch them. They are so Yeah, good. hey Hulu, you're not available in the Philippines. <laughs> it's just I what was the line where she's like, "Now you will die." <laughs> That that's this is one of the reasons why I'm so excited for the Sonic movie. Yes, oh my god. Like people keep saying like, "Oh no, I don't want it." I'm like, "Listen, nothing good has come out of the Sonic franchise in the past 15 years. It's going to be awful. I know it's going to be awful, and I cannot wait to see it because it's going to be I, amazing." I'm hoping it's going to be the new <laughs> Super Mario Bros movie, and I'm like, Hoping it's gonna be that infamous. But I will say a little bit of my a little bit of my soul is hoping that it's good because I really want it to be good just to prove all these people wrong. Like, call me sappy that I love an underdog story, but oh my god. Have you guys seen the prototype images they released that were leaked out of like the original story and the original Sonic design with Chris Pratt? It looks much better. Than the one that is on all the posters, it's so much better. Why did they give him those giant legs? <laughs> Why did they give him the skinny legs and no socks? <laughs> he better not have human hands. He better not have freakishly human hands. Hopefully, yeah. And then, yeah, that's why most of the time it boils down to money because some of these producers know that for a video game to be advertised until now they still think that movies are the best way to advertise uh, video games and then it makes me I suddenly felt interested to see the Assassin's Creed movie since the, one of the few instances where MatPat credited someone for a quote was here in this a video wherein he quoted Corey May of Ubisoft's Assassin's Creed wherein uh, May said it often comes down to money as movie studios frequently choose to make films based on the franchises that sell the best not those with the most cinematic potentials which I disagree end of quote uh, end of quote on the potentials because Assassin's Creed obviously had cinematic potential, add the sex, add the violence, and then at least make something out of the story because sex and violence makes money to hell with the film's quality. And I checked Rotten Tomatoes and as expected, it, it did not go well with the critics because when, when MadPat mentioned the video game movie with the highest rating, on Rotten Tomatoes is Final Fantasy The Spirits Within sitting in at 44%.
which by rotten tomato standards is still rotten. You still see that green bursted tomato. <laughs> yeah, it's like Assassin's Creed is bad. Like, really? I, I will say um, that is very much the landscape of uh, big budget blockbuster movies now, especially now that um, uh, China is allowing more American made films to be shown in China. Uh, like the only the only reason that Michael Bay Transformers movies are still being made now is because they make a butt ton of money in the Chinese market. That's why in the most recent two they'll have product placement specifically for Chinese products because they know that the majority of their audience lives in China. Not like no one cares about the artistic quality of that franchise. But I will say, companies like Disney who have learned to not only capitalize on um franchise potential but also make good films out of it is incredible to see like people love to crap on the marvel cinematic universe because they're like i have superhero fatigue i don't want to see like another iron man movie i get it me too but you can't deny that infinity war was a really good movie and it was like the like 18th movie in this series and like you had to watch almost all of those movies up to that point to get to it it's kind of ingenious if you're able to pull it off and still make good movies like it actually has me excited for endgame i didn't think i was gonna be like still into marvel movies in the year 2019 but here i am and i'm fully ready for it i ad i admit that i would be skipping captain marvel because the the agenda is so up your nose that Come on, I just want to watch a movie for the entertainment. Don't, don't preach me. Don't, don't preach to me. I'm not the choir. <laughs> like that's what's happening with Marvel, sometimes. But anyway, uh, if they would be showing uh, the Marvel movie or the Captain Marvel movie, I, I don't. I, I'm not interested to watch that. And anyway, and then yeah, back to Matt Pat. He mentioned about the the uh, obviously the biggest thing why some. Most people, even the video game players, hate these video game movies. It's, it's still different because, you, for example, he admitted playing Resident Evil at night alone in his room to get scared. And you get scared because everything that goes wrong might be your fault. Or sometimes you just haven't played Resident Evil long enough to know how to overpower the zombies. And then the moment you see the Resident Evil movies like you're not scared in fact you're irritated like is this it became more about Alice instead of uh, Jill and um, and Kennedy they're like I I love that the um, that that's just a problem with the franchise overall the movies were never meant to be like accurate to the to at least to the early games and I think it's very telling that the games uh, followed suit of the movies where like the first two they're very horror oriented and when, then you get to like four where it's still kind of scary but now we're a little bit more actiony then it's five where it's just pure action and then there's six where it's just like a a really bad like drive-in movie and it's amazing for it and then they, and then they put the franchise on ice for a minute and then they bring back seven which is more like silent hill than anything
Yeah, and, and, and they gave people what they wanted. They gave them a good story. Which is great. I feel like people who who complain about Resident Evil 5 and 6 want a horror game, and it's just not what they're asking for. 5 and 6 are perfectly decent games. They're just not horror games. They're action games. And like if you go if you go into like a romantic comedy expecting to see a horror movie, you will be upset. You're like, this wasn't what I wanted to watch. Well, duh, d- dummy, it's n- the wrong genre. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he had to admit that, and it's one. I might be agreeing with that because it's still different when you're the one doing the shooting, and it's different when it's. Alice doing the shooting. You never played Alice in the games, right? Nobody does. It's this, it's it's always an issue with adaptations of any medium. Like if you're adapting a book to a movie, you're always going to have to balance between keeping the book fans happy and then like having the movie make sense because a lot of a lot of elements that are that are in both books and video games whenever they're trying to be adapted to like a TV series or a movie you're gonna have to cut things because it just does not work in the in a new medium because like no matter what it is if you're going across mediums you're gonna have to make some cuts that's just the nature of it because it's not a book and it's not a video game okay so yeah so moving on um the other yeah the other issue that he got into hot trouble with was he gave he claims that he gave a copy of the game Undertale to Pope Francis just because he found some similarities between the storyline in Undertale and how the Catholic Church getting into the trouble about balancing uh, war and peace. So just to quote some lines from the clip wherein he said that, seriously, to quote, but seriously, about a month ago, a month ago from upload of the video, MatPat, he said, I was fortunate enough to have the opportunity to represent YouTube in the gold, oh, good old USFA and an interview with Pope Francis. The first time ever the lead of the Catholic Church has been interviewed by YouTubers. He might say that I was hashtag blessed to be part of it. So, in other words, he had, the Pope has to meet with YouTubers from around the world, not to talk about being Catholic or any, anything religious, but to talk about how the internet can bring people together, not the tender style, bring people together just that they were different from walks of life but were all humans, at heart kind of bringing people together. And in the process, I was brought together with George Clooney, THE George Clooney. See, this is me talking and that is George Clooney, some raw, some same row in seat as mine, only mirrored across the vertical axis. There is listening intently to everything I'm saying and raptured by every word coming out of my mouth. I mean, he sure he... He just looked like a blurry speck in this picture. Uh, end of quote. You see how he's really, uh, he's really. It's like he's blowing his own horn just to be wholesome about it. It's like he, he's playing it up for a bit. He he like knowing it, knowing him, he doesn't actually feel this way. Like I am a god, and George Clooney is listening to me. He's like, no, it's a bit. I'm here. I'm here. I'm just. I'm just some. I'm just some nerd from YouTube, and like. Everyone dunks on him for like 
the title why I gave the Pope Undertale. And like, I get it. It's a dumb title, but it'll get clicks. And I can kind of see where he's coming from. Undertale at its core is a game about like togetherness. And that's what the Pope was meeting people for. As the representative of YouTubers. I remember when I first heard about him giving Undertale to the Pope. And I remember the first thing I said, God, he is such a fucking idiot because undertale is a weird because because undertale when he gave it gave the gave when the pope got undertale it was at the time when the undertale ca- fandom was cancerous and horrible. yeah that was that was like peak undertale fandom like people were getting sick of it because is me as someone who kind of jumped on the undertale wagon a, a little bit after like as it was getting popular but then quickly realized how toxic that phantom was and jumped that ship a real quick. Yeah, that's yeah. Just to continue with the things that he said, because his ego is ten, he is ten is starting to come out here. So to quote, "Well, I would have loved to have presented the Pope with an oversized hamburger, a cowboy hat, and a bald eagle carrying a gun. Let's be honest, the guy knows about the United States when I showed up waving the old stars and stripes. It's not like the people would have suddenly fallen out of his chair. All what is this country I've never heard of." To me, I was going to be a representative of any culture is going to be this culture, the internet culture and more specifically of gamers because our voice has so rarely gotten represented offline. And when we are discussed, it's always in the negative. Gamers, killers, gamers attacking women, gamers putting up with Jimmy Kimmel and that's why my gift to the Pope, why I gave him a copy of Undertale because regardless of how you feel about this game, Undertale represents an evolution for gamers and what they expect from the games that they play, making it the single best representative of where we are as a community today. End quote. Like so much ego in one in one in one paragraph. I mean I get it. Like it it makes sense. He's like it, it's like I said, Undertale at its core is a game about putting uh, looking past differences and loving everybody, which is something that I feel um, is a message that we're hearing more and more of now. And I I'm very happy that it is a thing that we're getting more and more now because it needs to be heard. Um, and like. Even if I if I recall, it's been like two years since I've watched that video. Um, I think at one point in the video, he does mention he's like, "Now, do I expect the Pope to actually sit down at a computer and play Undertale?" No, like he knows it's purely symbolic, and I get it. Like honestly, if I was in his shoes, I might actually do something similar to be like, "Hey." This is why I'm famous. I'm famous for talking about video games on the internet, and this specific game is kind of mirrors the reasons why we're here. And uh, while he does need to work on his delivery a little bit, he does come off as like uh, I think at some speech he even said it. He's like, I've I've seen I've been to conventions and people come up to me and they go, "Wow, you're not a douche." <laughs> And I'm like, and, and he says like, yeah, it's a, it's kind of a character I put on to, for the videos. And I I think that's why, um, 
people get mad at him so often, like beyond the playing up his personality for the bit and uh, not citing his sources, like people, people have a problem with his, uh, like the persona that he puts on and I get it. Yeah. It's annoying. That's why I don't want, that's why I don't watch his videos anymore. If you, if you learn to walk away from the, ch if you learn to, if you learn to walk away from the channel and stop watching his videos, you don't have to sit through that anymore. <laughs> yeah, thankfully, it's like it's like old YouTubers, you know, like the my the Minecraft YouTubers. Sky does Minecraft, Chimney Swift Eleven when they were popular. It's like every fan base has become toxic. Mm hmm. And then, yeah, that's why he also mentioned the same video to quote, Toby Fox specifically stated that he wanted each enemy to have its own personality. They go from being grunts, underlings, and bosses to Timmy sans metadata, and then Frog and the Goat Mom, individuals with names, hopes, fears, insecurities existing beyond just a simple label of a monster. In fact, that's one of the most subtle and ingenious designs, decisions that Toby Fox included in the game. Even though a group of characters is classified as monsters in this game, there's only one true monster by the end of the game. You at the end of a genocide, rotten, someone who didn't take the time to understand, listen to interact, and show mercy to a group of individuals." End quote. So that's obviously addressing the toxic part of the Undertale fan community. It, it it makes sense. <laughs> like, um, I think that's th to kind of pat Toby Fox on the back a little bit. I I do like that. That is a thing that, like, the theoretical intended way to play. Since there is no intended way to play, and I hate it when people try to like. Um, there's a few people uh who were kind of out of the loop whenever they started playing Undertale. Their entire audience was like, "No, don't do that. You have to play it this way." And like, it gets really annoying really quick. Toby's intended way, uh, like uh, his theoretical way of thinking about it was, um, like you go through and you kill Toriel, and you're like, "Oh no, I'll reset my save." And then Flowey says, "Ah, no, you can't do that. I saw that." And so, like, you go through the neutral run, and then you do the pacifist run, and then that demon in the back of your head says, but what if I kill everybody? And it makes it purposefully hard for you to get a genocide run, and that's the point, and I like it. It's a very good gameplay decision. Yeah, that's the thing, because when do you start taking game seriously so much that it affects your, your psyche? It's like... Are you a few steps short of turning to an SJW? I mean, yeah, there's the anti-SJW, but the anti-SJW will not be this exaggerated at some point if there would be no SJWs that would be offended at practically anything and everything that they wanted everything to be represented in the game and they would like to present an agenda through a game without realizing that it's became more of the agenda and less about the game. That's a, that's a bit of a balance to walk because I do lean more into that. A lot of people would call me an SJW because I enjoy experiences and media that is more inclusive because I believe that everybody should feel welcome 
with other people and in public. Uh, and I feel that Undertale really does touch on that. And I think that as as dumb as the community got, because when a game gets popular... When a game gets popular with children, the the community gets very toxic and very dumb very quickly. It's been repeated time and time again with Five Nights and then Undertale and now are like pretty much Fortnite even though there is no like real plot to it. It's just a battle royale game. But like I can't I can't even go down to my local Walmart without seeing like five kids in Fortnite shirts and I love that. I ha- I have to resist myself to punt the kid's head like a football. No, don't. Why are you be why are you being so mean, dude? I hate Fortnite with a passion. Dude, it's just a game. I absolutely despise it. So this is the reason why we have so many goddamn battle royale games. It's just a it's just an industry trend. You don't have to be so mad about it. Yeah, and I'm excited that it's dying to Apex. Like, that's fine. Like, I like I don't know why people get mad about Fortnite. It's just a game that kids like playing. It's like getting mad about Minecraft. It's just a game. Yeah, it's some some gamers get triggered over a few games, but of course speaking of Fortnite, that's when yeah, I got some notes from the response video by Legal Eagle. Maybe you've already heard about him since he accused uh, Matt Pat of uh, stealing some content from him. You know, some uh, lawyers would prefer to be credited when they are sources of reference here. Although, yeah, I'm still learning about the American legal system here since what much of what I know is based on here on the Philippine legal system. So, just to quote one um, an excerpt from Legal Eagles video uh, to quote. Copywriting an individual move like the moonwalk would be like the equivalent of granting ownership over an individual word or musical notes. All of these things are building blocks to a complete book or a full song or a fully choreographed dance. Turns out that he was quoting Matt Pat there. So, Legal Eagle commented, Wow, his analysis is so good, it's like it comes from a real lawyer. Hey, Legal Eagles, it's time to litigate a case that is near and dear to my heart. The case of game theorists, aka MadPat versus me. So, here's the background. December 22, I, meaning Legal Eagle, released a video detailing my analysis of the Fortnite dance controversy. Basically, the makers of Fortnite are being sued by various artists who are claiming the game developers stole their dance moves and put them into the game Fortnite. And I've done a ton of copyright work in my career. I've actually made copyright law in the Ninth Circuit, which is just one step down from the United States Supreme Court. Copyright law is one of the favorite things that every time... Okay, just skipping on that. Yeah, he's just comparing some. Anyway, skip at day eight days after Legal Eagles released the video. To quote again, Matt Pat of the Game Theorist released his own video on a similar topic. He compares the dances at issue, talks about the economic of the game Fortnite, and then he talks about the relevant copyright law. And most of his analysis is good. It's so good. In fact, it's like it came from a real lawyer. Now, as soon as MadPat released this video, some astute legal eagles out there pointed out that Game Theorist video was very similar to his, to my own, perhaps a little too similar. 
coincidence maybe I'll let you be the judge so then he moved forward to talking about his uh, understanding or what he learned about copyright law the 1976 act to quote being able to copyright dances is a relatively recent development which was codified in 1976 when Congress changed the Copyright Act to include choreography and pantomime to the list of things that you would actually copyright. But dancing copyright law, despite dance being around since the cavemen first discovered that they could work and have a shockingly new relationship with choreography, only being able to be copyrighted. So, yeah, so he mentioned about the things that... Hello, Legal Eagle, just in case that, uh, you, that you are listening right now. We're, we are crediting you. We are attributing the information that we found on your video to you because you made it just in case that you might also make a video on us. Thank you. Okay, so it's like much of the... It's okay to quote some aspects of the law. I mean... I I just got finished uh, with the bar exams uh, last November 2018 and of course I would be quoting case law as well whenever trying to answer some and some questions in the bar exam and it's part of it sometimes uh, the lawyer or the examiner behind it would appreciate it sometimes you'd realize that he I quoted him verbatim on my own answer on the notes because hey you can take this answer against me if I am quoting you so I think the main problem that came up here with Legal Eagle is that his video got quoted word by word and then not credit him because there were some people who watched Matt Pat's video and realized that I think he just read the script that Legal Eagle made without crediting it to Legal Eagle himself so yeah then again, he started making a side-by-side -side comparison between his video and that of MatPat's video. And then, uh, MatPat did not exactly make a reply to that, but by the, which maybe he realized that it's useless to reply to that because you mentioned a while ago how how badly researched some of his previous videos were, and he didn't care because hey. We already clicked on the video, we already watched this video, so yeah, it's useless to complain, right? Like, who cares? So, in this case, pla plagiarism is quite a strong um, accusation, which is why some words need to be changed around. In my case, um, I've been accused of plagiarism before, and then I realized that it's a bot that was telling me that it was plagiarized simply because I used the same five words in the same sequence, practically the same sentence, from a different article. I did not twist it around because sometimes when you are quoting people, you would rather quote people than try to rephrase what they said because sometimes the definition is changed. And I understand that that might be the purpose that MatPat did here, wherein instead of trying to interpret the law in his understanding, he just quoted Legal Eagle. He just forgot to quote him, of course. So, yeah, again, that problem of not referencing or at least uh, mentioning his references or crediting people who deserve to be credited, that's the main problem that occurred there. And then, 
I think MadPat just let the issue die. Some people would still uh, mention it because you know how how messed up the copyright system on YouTube. So it's like, yeah, it's come on, man, and like. So here is trying to mention that he just explained this Fortnite controversy, and then it became a reference to a lot of people. Not everyone credited Legal Eagle, and one of those people, one of those folks that did not credit him was that of well, MadPat. So, how do you understand uh, this case then? If you have, if you're, you have heard this issue. I remember Tipster defending MatPat on this. Then again, uh, I don't remember any lawyer defending MatPat on this. They did not defend Legal Eagle as well. And I, the only other YouTube channels with lawyers as hosts were uh, Leonard French. Legal Eagle mentioned that since he said that he dies e a little inside every time Leonard French would say he is YouTube's favorite copyright lawyer and then we have another lawyer uh, Rikita Law I credited him on the Encyclopedia Dramatica episode on the notes and then the other lawyer that I know of that eventually became uh, an activist almost was uh, Lior Lesser so none of them none of the lawyers that I know of so far based on my research have defended either MatPat or Legal Eagle so yeah it, it makes you think that maybe it's just an issue of crediting since I noticed on YouTube that they took crediting a little too seriously to the point that um, yeah you would write you would like to be credited because you wanted a person's audience to go back to your video and verify what was just said because that's how research works you have a theory and then you you conduct the research and then you admit to yourself whether your theory was wrong or it was right it's also one thing that MatPat does not do in his videos I don't remember him ever, ever apologizing at all so okay so yeah so instead of apologizing, he created the video and uploaded the video. Uh, they stole 1.7 million dollars. Where this is the part where he really mentioned a lot about his life and how his even his previous employment opportunities. Because uh, you notice how he's very aware of the YouTube algorithm, how to turn it to his favor, how to make sure that his channel will not run out of subscribers, he will not get buried on the algorithm as they say. Yeah, I, like, th this part, I, all of this, like, not crediting plagiarism stuff, like, when it comes down to it, yeah, it's kind of legally sticky, just make sure to credit your sources and that is an issue that he has since gone on to say that they are going to try and fix in the future which i applaud him on that this is completely separate and this is absolutely awful like no matter who it is like you don't do this to people like if it, 
the the long and short of it was uh, I guess his channel got caught up in the whole Defy Media going bankrupt business where now all of the assets, namely the $1.7 million that he mentions in this video, is tied up in a bank that um, the way that they're going to disperse it or dispense of the money is to just make a list of all the people that uh, Defy owed this money to and then give it to them just willy-nilly without... Um, uh, seeing how much goes to each person, which is a really bad thing, and people want their money that they are owed. And um, I, I see that just yesterday he has uploaded an update video on this topic. I have not watched it yet. I have watched it. It's basically just uh, a reaction to Ally Bank's uh, choice not to release the funds, because at this point, He's aware, well, Mad Pat is obviously aware that whenever a company goes bankrupt, the first thing that would needed to be paid would be the creditors. Okay, so if you have more than one creditor and then you go bankrupt, how does the hierarchy go? It, hap it turns out that Ally Bank was priority on the list of creditors to be paid, so it's not clear if there's any left on on the part of Defy Media, so people like MatPat end up chasing on the bank like, hey, you they credited from us too because Ally Bank, according to MatPat on the video he uploaded last night, that Ally Bank was claiming to be a victim of Defy Media too, claiming that Defy Media borrowed money from them, did not pay them and then just declared bankruptcy and whatever perhaps under collateral with uh, with Ally Bank, that's the only thing that they could get. And then MatPat and the others were claiming that it's their money too. So it's not sure if the courts have intervened over this. Any of them can uh, petition or file a petition for the court to intervene. It. Please decide on this because we can't identify which creditors needed to be paid first because there's this $1.7 million hanging above. Uh, or un allegedly under the custody of Ally Bank, and then these fifty more than fifty creators are claiming um, to be paid. So, to mention some excerpts uh, from the video that he made, well, the first one, because first he started off with the sob story, and then he went forward with how he got into MatPat, or or he got into. Uh, Defy Media then, since he really gave a good uh, background how he ended up with Defy Media, plus an explanation of the multi-channel networks that have been going on here at YouTube, wherein he said, since this is the ultimate low point, he finally talked about how they, Defy Media, stole $1.7 million from an estimated number of 50 YouTube content creators. So, this is Defy Media, a, net, a multi-channel network against whom several content creators have spoken against after they were not paid. The amount that MatPat mentioned was an estimated unpaid amount across stakeholders who have yet to receive their due. So, he, to quote, 
I'm telling the story of Define Media. Now some of you may have heard a little bit of this. Some of you, this might be completely new. So to make sure that we're all on the same page, let me rewind a bit to media, what was known as MCN or multi-channel network. And if you watch a decent amount of YouTube, you might have heard that phrase tossed around a little bit. Multi-channel network or MCNs. Uh, to name some uh, media, Maker Media, Machinima, Rebel Media was one back when was that was a thing. And basically, these are all businesses that were built with the intention of helping YouTubers back in the olden days of YouTube. You actually had to join an MCN in order to get your videos monetized and use things like custom thumbnails. Nowadays, it's changed a lot where copyright protection is the primary goal of MCNs, as well as getting you better brand deals or things like if you're a big creator, like a TV deal, potentially. Funny enough, my first ever job was actually working at an MCN back when Game Theory was just this cool talking point on my resume. I actually worked at a small MCN called Big Frame. We worked out of one room in central Los Angeles and there weren't enough desks for me so I sat on the floor and worked on my laptop. My laptop, my personal laptop, not like a company-owned laptop. Yes, that's he meant that's what Matt Pat said. And then to continue as the person who understood numbers but also understood what it meant to be a creator I became the optimization guy basically it was my job to consult the YouTube channels in the network on what their channel health was and what they could be doing better uh, so here so here we have MadPat with a solid 30,000 subscribers to his name, but pretty good understanding of YouTube having to consult channels with over a million subscribers on what they're doing wrong. And mind you, a million subscribers back then was a huge deal. Like it's a big deal now, but it was a huge deal back, to, uh, back then. These are some of the top channels on the platform that you still probably know today. Daily Storm, uh, Mystery Guitar Man, Quarter Digital, and Random Things. In fact, I designed one of the channel's banners from Random Things. I think I can probably pull it up here if I can find it through the Wayback Machine. And don't worry, it was intentionally made to look crazy. I had this whole conversation with her. He might be referring to Miranda Sings about why it made sense for her brand. And as an employee of the MCN, if one of the YouTubers needed an extra actor in their video, they were just listed as a requirement of our job like this, end quote. Here he displayed some videos where he made some cameos and then at the same time he was consulting on the information on the YouTube like the algorithm algorithm at some point was tossed around like uh, like candy on this video but to show that his uh, his credentials really were impressive and then here he also mentioned the beginnings of uh, the video way back when uh, he doesn't have an MCN yet wherein he said Matt Pat said to quote I would actually stay late in the office working nights on writing or editing, editing video and some of the big youtubers would walk past and be like oh what are you working on I'm like I'm working on my channel and they'd be like oh cute little kid go get him and it inspired me to work harder now and now this is where defy 
comes in after about a year of working at Big Frame and move on to Defy where I become their head of audience development where they work with channels just like Big Frame did but they also own a lot of big channels on the platform like Smosh and Screen Junkies you can actually see more cameos here so yeah he made cam and then end the quote then he made some he displayed some cameos for Smosh and Screen Junkies so to continue I was actually there making the decisions on what weapons got made on the Omni channel where a real-life blacksmith was crafting fantasy weapons in real life. Not gonna lie, it was awesome, but my proudest moment was probably my team in getting Morgan Freeman to read the lyrics to What Does the Fox Say back when that song was relevant. So yeah, he then displayed end quote. He then displayed Morgan Freeman's expression. So yeah. So skipping back to the part of the MCN, MatPat continued, Now when you're signed to an MCN, YouTube sends your ad revenue check to the MCN, who then takes their cut as payment of whatever services they render to you, and then repackages that check and sends whatever's remaining over to you. Now that doesn't seem like it should be that big of a deal, right? But if you stop and think about it, there's actually two problems with that. First, they rarely, if ever, do anything to really merit the money they're taking from you. It's just a sad fact of the matter. Now, that's not to say that good people don't work at these companies. End of quote. He then start mentioning names. Jeff Olson at Defy, great representative for his creators. John Carl is, without question, one of the best representatives as his creators ever. He worked so hard for him, for them. I'm honored to know and work with you, buddy. But when a lot of these companies are representing hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of channels, there is no way you can actually give services to all of them, especially not services that meant you taking that much money from them. Just a fact. But secondly, and far, far more importantly, is the fact that the creator's money first and foremost, but YouTube is sending it to a service that the creator uses it, if that doesn't seem like a big deal. End quote. So he makes it sound like the, these MCNs are taking bigger cuts than they deserve and then left what is possibly loose change to the content creators. Yeah, it's, 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 this, it really is kind of the wild west of the internet. And now that YouTube is really picking up and they're trying to compete with, uh, like, the Netflixes and the Hulus and the, and the, like, the live, the actual TV business, they're really trying to, cl to clean up the community because, like, when you have these scummy companies like this, taking food out of their creators' mouths and not really following through on their end of the deal, it makes the entire platform look bad, and all of a sudden, all of your investor money is gone, all of your advertisers are gone, and then all the money shrinks up, and then now look who's out of a job. It's a really big issue that YouTube is trying to crack down on now, and... Unfortunately, these are some of the very costly growing pains that come with it, and it 
I hate that it's like this, but it does. Like people's livelihoods are on the line just because the industry is so new and nobody knows exactly the right moves to make without like costing people hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. That's why he mentioned as well, um, also in the video, that he did not mince words in calling them a Ponzi scheme since he described the multi-channel networks in an, in a way that he uh, that implying that the income paid to old members of the MCN come from the income earned from the new batch of MCN members so in other words um defy media was paying some of the income to old members like matpat and smosh from income uh, generated from the new batch of um, MCN members and some of the new MCN members have made videos sharing their part after they've finally been allowed to talk about it wherein and then he reiterated then MatPat reiterated this in saying that MCNs are businesses that were founded with good intent but ultimately built on nothing because when you have a business whether it was started with good intentions or not that is built on nothing that you can't figure out a way to get profit out of then you gotta sell it to someone who doesn't know any better of a big frame and then sold to another MCN end of quote this uh, practice is similar to what Ryan Holiday said in his book uh, don't trust me I'm lying wherein some websites are created solely for finding a buyer later on selling that website and then creating another one to sell but in this case this is YouTube they create their own content monetize on it and keep the profits to themselves hopefully without having to depend on an, on an MCN because every time I just discovered recently from a video by Repzilla that every time a new YouTube content creator is starting to gain traction on YouTube the MCN would suddenly come up and say hey we're interested in having you would you like to join our network and Repzilla said that he's not interested after watching after verifying some of the things that he knew from MatPat's video wherein he then mentioned, then MatPat revealed that uh, a few exa examples of big companies that include some YouTube content creators into their own multi-channel networks like Steven Spielberg's DreamWorks and that mega corporation called Disney. Yeah, because, meg because that mega corporation bought Maker Studios for an estimated amount of $675 million. That's a big whopping money even for a freelance writer like me. Like me. Uh, then he shared what he knew about the deal with Maker Studios and Disney to quote, they open it up, see what's inside, all this money, all these views, and they find that there's nothing that all of that passes through on to the creators. And they're left holding the bag. They have to dismantle it. They have bought a business built on nothing. End of quote. Yeah, it's, it's there's, there, it's, this, this whole situation is a mess, and I hope it gets resolved with most everyone coming out intact, because nobody deserves to go through this. Mm-hmm, agreed. Yes. Since uh, what happened here is, the... What 
Mad Pat is not saying here. I'm sorry for the dogs in the background. Anyway, back to what I was saying. Mad Pat was doing all of these videos that looked rushed at that first glance, and then he would be getting this backlash from creators that were saying that ah you don't you don't put your references in, you don't credit the people who made the research, and then it's like he's getting at it's like he's he's making it look like he's getting he's suffering from all from attacks on all fronts and then of course the most painful of the attacks is the attack on his wallet <laughs> since I've been trying to make income on YouTube and I still end up having criticism thrown my way and you don't know what's happening uh, on the in the background like he he, pr he practically shared everything that happened from his time when he got into Defy Me, there's still this money he's not getting, and it's not even clear if his income on YouTube dwindled, since you don't go to you don't go to Social Blade to check if the income has uh, dipped. You only go there mostly to check if you 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 are bleeding subscribers. So yeah, you were saying. I, s I see where he's coming from. Where like. He has a wife and a child now. Like, yeah, the money's kind of important. It, like, I, I would kind of be up in arms about it, too, if this had happened to me. Like, God forbid, like, you you base your entire career on this platform. And you you are making enough to not only quit your day job and do this full time, but you're able to hire people. And you're able to, like confidently get married and have a child and like be at least somewhat confident in the future that you're going to be able to do this and if this ship sinks you're able to go to on to bigger and better things but then something like this happens to you where this company says it's going to do x y and z completely folds on you and then vanishes so that you might be out x amount of money sure adsense still makes some money but now in the age of youtube where every other video you post might be demonetized or copy claimed by some mega corporation with zero repercussions for what they're doing you could be out like of like a, a two-week pay period paycheck in terms of like a normal like nine to five desk job like it's it's incredibly frustrating when you have these people who are making better content than MatPat, in my opinion, and all of their content just immediately gets struck by um, some, like, the. I know the meme is, like, Universal Music Group. They strike anything to do with anything with any artist or song that is on their label, and they block it worldwide. Um, but... There was, oh, what was it? I just had it in my head. I completely forgot what I was going to say. There's, um, it was, it's, it's really frustrating as people, um, oh yeah, there's this, uh, creator I watch. Everyone's probably heard of him. Uh, his channel's name is Nakey Jakey. He makes these great videos. Uh, he recently put out this past month or so, a 40 minute long video, uh, talking about, uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 and he uses he uses like four seconds of George Michael's careless whisper in it, and it de demonetized, um, blocked worldwide. Like 
he's he he's still able to make some money off of that video, but he him knowing and seeing that it's now the most popular video on his channel, he's like, I know I could be making more off that video if Universal didn't strike it, and it's annoying. It is very annoying. Yeah. So finally, MatPat transitioned trying to relate the stories that he shared about Maker Studios and Disney to his situation with Defy Media. To quote, uh, at one point, Defy even asked us if they could delay paying us our AdSense for oh, a yeah, month. Oh yeah, this. I remember yeah. this. <laughs> we didn't know why they asked, but we wanted to be a good partner. So we said, sure, we found out later. And by later, I mean recently that they kept the money to make their books look better for the investors. Shady, shady friends. And They were cooking the books. Yes, they were cooking the books. Yeah, it's like everyone's... It's like suddenly everyone who's getting these investors. I don't want to say it's from Silicon Valley because Silicon Valley has not does not have a mo um a monopoly of the venture capitalist here. It's like there are venture capitalists who are willing to pour money into you, but they'd also like to make sure that they would get it back. So there, um, it does. It's not clear though if they're getting investments. Well. well by the way, they mentioned that they're getting investments, and MadPat shared that as well in his video since uh, he said that Defy Media presented themselves as financially stable since he, according to MadPat, to quote, he references that $70 million of investment money that they had, end of quote. So, to mention that one, uh, Matt Pat said, Here we are, Steph and I, two new parents and deliriously tired, looking for a new network to join like we do every single year. We hop on the phone with the head of Defy. So he did not mention who exactly was it. And then one of the two guys at the company and someone who I've known since my time working there, who I've had somewhat regular conversation with every year at events like VidCon, we asked the usual slate of questions. What are you guys doing? What projects are you working on? Where are you headed in the next couple of years? And he says they're greater better than ever. Then he mentioned End of quote. Then he mentioned the uh, $70 million. Then to continue, Matt Pat said, And then we talked about kids. He asked all about her. Uh, and we asked about his kids. It's a really nice conversation with someone, the professional mentor of sorts, for the better part of six years. A few weeks later, his company collapses. Employees are let go. And not just let go. Let go with no notice. No email. No nothing about what's going on. Small in other channels that... Uh, small channels, small and other channels that belong to Defy are left homeless, smashes homeless. So, yeah, to end of quote. So, going back to, yeah, because Defy Media was the proverbial thief in the night, took away your money and never heard of again. So, in this part, Matt Pat said, most creators don't know that any of this stuff is happening. I mean, I worked at do different MCNs for the pe better part of three years. And only, and I only just now, I'm able to put all these pieces together. Most people you know, when they go into partnership with the company, they assume that the company is going to deliver on the promises that were made to them, or at the very worst, 
just not deliver on the promises made to them, but never outright steal from them. Because guess what? If they thought that money was going to be taken unfairly from them, they wouldn't be in business together in the first place. But the even bigger issue here is that largely us creators don't have a choice. Like I said, back in the day, being part of an MCN was required for monetization and thumbnails. Nowadays, it's required for copyright protection. If creators want to have copyright protections for their videos to prevent wrongful re-upload or false claims from movie studios, music labels, what have you, then you have to be part of an MCN because based on the system that YouTube has set up, those companies are the only ones with the tools that can offer those protections. And when you have channels that cover movies, TV and video games, that sort of protection is important. End of code. That's why at this point, if you're smart and you gain an audience, um, your videos will start getting hit uh, as soon as you start getting views on them. Um, make a Patreon. Link out to it. Like, it's, do not join an MCN if you can help it. Like, the, at this point, excuse me, they are... They're just money pits and a bunch of legal red tape that, uh, that is just not worth the headache and potential financial loss. Uh, f from the outside looking in and from paying attention to, um, the YouTube platform for the better part of the past decade, I can say that if you are joining an MCN, make really make a really think about it first like really 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 think it through before you sign any contracts any paperwork make any agreements because now now 2019 is it's probably easier to support your favorite creators than ever before if you put the money up to pay per month for YouTube Premium. It used to be called YouTube Red, now it's called YouTube Premium. If you watch their videos consistently on a month-to-month -month basis, a bigger portion of the money that you pay for that subscription goes directly to them. Uh, if you don't, if you don't want to pay that much and you don't like really understand how YouTube's payment system works with that, most people have either a uh, a coffee page or a PayPal, a Venmo, a Patreon. Support them any way Yeah, the that. PayPal me link. Some YouTubers are using that now as well. Like, um, I can't tell you how, uh, how much people really do rely on Patreon nowadays to fund their endeavors. Because I know a lot of people who, um, who they say... I, I will continue uploading to YouTube because it's where my platform is. I do not make any money off of AdSense because any time I put up a video, it gets immediately hit by five different things that just remove all monetization. As long as people are still able to watch it, then I'm fine because I make my money through like... I make music on the side, so I get money through when people stream my music on Spotify. I get money through pay a bulk of my money comes through Patreon. Like I don't need AdSense at this point, and that's why people are a little bit more hesitant to 
sign on to MCNs. They've seen the horror stories like what happened with Machinima, what happened with Maker, what happened now with Defy. It's it's a story that keeps happening over and over and over again. Whenever you see an MCN, you're like, well, it's only a matter of time before this one collapses too. And sure enough, it happened again. Yeah, even lawyers, some lawyers even spoke about it since this is, it's, you have 50 creators. I'm not sure if that's enough to create a, a, class, a class suit or something. But as I've said a while ago, you have all of these creditors waiting for the money and where this MatPat and the rest of the content creators are placed in the hierarchy like Ally Bank was a priority because simply it's a bank and maybe it did not mention the collateral that they had but they immediately jumped on the victim mentality card and saying that they were victims of Defy Media as well alright everyone claims to be a victim so Where's the responsibility? Where's the accountability in that? Honestly, there there is no winner in this point. Ally Bank is correct. They did borrow uh, Ally or Defy did borrow money from them, and it's it's the same thing as just taking out a personal loan or like an auto loan. If you if you aren't able to pay the bank back, they're going to get their money back no matter what, uh, because that's just how the paperwork works, and. It sucks because Ally Bank can't really be to blame for this. Like, Defy knew what they were getting into when they took out this money from the bank. Um, it is ultimately Defy's fault that these creators aren't getting this money because the way the law falls, like, the bank has to be paid. That's just a thing that has to be done. Do I personally, am I personally happy with this situation? Hell no. I wish all that money was going to the creators, but like, it's just how this cookie crumbles and it's awful. Like it's not fun. And it's, I know this is like a downer point to go out on this podcast on is like, man, all these people lost their money. Anyway, good night guys. But like, it's that's just kind of where we're at like it's the most recent video on Matt's channel on the game theorist channel we kind of have to close on this it's yes because i watched that and ally bank was basically telling Matt Pat and the others you're barking at the wrong tree you have to go at defy media not us we already got our part of the money the your money you go with defy media Matt Pat is i I don't exactly agree with uh, Matt Pat on this because he had this speculation. Yeah, because he I had this. Okay, and then he had this speculation that Ally Media had more money than they're supposed to get, and then the the others should be on them. Then again, that's a speculation. That's the main reason why Matt Pat get gets all this backlash for his videos because. Most of the theories that he, mo most of the things that he passes off are theories are actually just speculations, not theories. If you're familiar with the scientific method, it's like you have this idea, and then you have this hypothesis, which is a scientific guess, and then you go into experimentation mode. You have the control test and the experimental test, two batches. It's like A B testing, two batches that you try to use to prove your point and then if your 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 point is proven it becomes a theory so yeah that's why some 
personally on my end i may not be a native english speaker but i'm i'm i am familiar with what the word theory means so if madpat would apply his usage of the word theory even on how ally ally bank handles the money then yeah they would rather go back to defy me than tell them give us back our money it was sad but yeah you have to consider that too all in all i th i think the message we can take away from this is matt pat is, he doesn't make the best content like if you're if if you're a middle schooler who likes movies or video games then it's a fine channel to watch go for your heart's content eventually you will be like me and you will grow out of it you'll realize the flaws that he has in his videos and you will eventually leave just uh, what i have learned is that is that there is there is enough space on the internet for a lot of different communities like and i'll and i'll say and i'll and i'll say this I do believe Matt Pat, if he doesn't really step up his game, if he just keeps at where he's been for the past few years and how he's how his content is delivered around around the clickbaity, aka lie lying and straight up just getting the facts wrong, I do believe that he will suffer in the long run. But he has to step up his game. Like I understand he has a family now, but it's like this is a job. This is a YouTube is slowly turning into like a wasteland for for survival. You can't always and... guilt trip your audience into saying that you have a kid. Yeah, you yeah yeah like with Rooster Teeth, like they just that uh, they they could have stayed where they were. There were just five people at the beginning, but they kept going. They knew they had to expand in order to uh, challenge the markets. And now they have like they they picked up one of the channels that Machinima had let go. Inside Gaming became Funhouse, and now they're they're one of the more successful channels on Rooster Teeth. Like And speaking of Inside Gaming, Rooster Teeth actually bought and saved Inside Gaming from Machinima's fate. Yeah. So, yeah, the ghost in the past is back with a new skin considering it's being trans the no is being transformed to Inside Gaming. Yeah. It's the gaming world that's suffering now. Which is why, yeah, because if you then realize, since MadPat has been doing a lot of um, videos that got the information wrong, it resulted to a subgenre, a genre or a group of video cr content creators that uh, ended up getting their own audiences based on calling out MadPat for the wrong theories, like uh, Manga Kamen, uh, The Gamer from Mars. Um, I thought even Scala, Grimshaw, Diversity, and Metatron ended up uh, banking on the anti-MatPat trend since he, I'm not sure if you have seen the video uh, where he uh, he described the game for honor, Vikings versus Samurai versus Knights. He got a lot of the information there wrong based on the feedback if you would base it on the feedback that he received from there but since he ended up doing a three-in-one video explaining why the vikings would win why the samurais would win why the knights would win three content creators not exactly into gaming but more on the history of the three kinds of warriors mentioned they debunked everything that matt pat said one of these uh, content creators was Shadiversity. 
he focused on the knights and why MatPat is wrong on why the knights were powerful without saying that the knights were bad. And then there was another content creator that focused on what MatPat said about the samurai that was Metatron. Since Metatron is the one who's familiar with the pronunciation of these Japanese names and Japanese words, he explained why MatPat is wrong. And then the interesting here is the, the video that got the most views, more than 1 million views, almost outpacing MatPat in terms of view count, was by Scalagrim, um, entitled Debunking Game Theory on Viking versus Knight versus Samurai, because uh, that's one where he proved MatPat wrong by focusing on three aspects. One, that Vikings like to run around half naked and not get frostbites. Of course, Scalagrim said that it's not true. Vikings are clothed. Unless they won't get frostbite, they would keep on running around naked or half naked uh, in the middle of winter and display their guns <laughs> or the proverbial guns because they don't have guns then. And then the second aspect that Scalagrim debunked was about the weapons. Um, he hated that MatPat described the weapons as rudimentary. Because for Scalagrim, there is nothing rudimentary about Viking weapons. And the most detailed way of debunking was explaining how the Viking shield works. Because even with a shield alone, a Viking can win simply because he can gain power over it. For example, um, an opponent tries to strike a blow on the Viking. And the Viking would, of course, shield himself with the shield. The material made on the shield has some stuff that can make the sword stick on the shield and if the sword is stuck on the shield then the viking gets the upper hand on the battle. So watching those three videos made you realize that yeah, there is um, a subgenre dedicated to debunking MatPat without going on a series of videos debunking MatPat. Sometimes one video is alone and then they would go back to their old content. Sometimes they just get called out that there are some viewers, they know that MatPat is wrong but they don't have enough references or at least they don't, they're not exactly known for making this video so they called out. It's like imploring three of the uh, of the nerds, the top nerds top war nerds, history war nerds on YouTube to prove that MatPat is wrong. So that's where the weaknesses of MatPat comes in. And then there are content creators like Manga Kamen who makes more than five videos debunking MatPat alone. Like it's He's like one of those content creators that uh, MatPat shaded in the past because MatPat will not stop making those game theory videos. And of course, Manga Kamen, he would maybe he would stop a little, and then if MatPat says something inherently hilarious again, Manga Kamen would make some content. So him and Man Manga Kamen and Gamer from Mars, those are two of the um, two of the quote unquote infamous content creators who ended up gaining more uh, viewers simply because they catered to an audience that were disillusioned with MatPat.
So, on my end, it's like, yeah, there are some games that don't get history, right? Then, then you just leave them at that. And then you have people like MadPat, uh, fanning the flames by defending these games, so be it if it's not historically accurate. There are some gamers who are fine with um, some games not being historically accurate as long as it's playable, it has less glitches. But for some people to defend it, the way MatPat does, yeah, it can be annoying after some point. Have you played For Honor? Yes, I have. I did not end up picking it up. It, it's a pretty fair game. I, I like it. It's, it's definitely one of those games that, yeah, it's good, but it's not everyone's cup of tea. Like, it, it takes some getting used to. Like, the whole combat system in different classes... You definitely can't find a favorite, and you can do a lot of stuff in a game. Yes, so... I I could have written some notes about the GT Live that he made, the live stream that MatPat did on Game Theorist, and ended up calling people like Gamer from Mars and uh, Manga Communist haters um, instead of critics. Yeah, it can be really shady... Yeah, Matt, that's the time you gotta keep your mouth shut. <laughs> he has an ego. He has an, he has an ego. He thinks... Yeah, he has an ego. Continue. He, he, he's, he has the ego of someone who... Who's sitting on, like, high on a throne on, like, a castle of, of glass or whatever the fuck the term is. He's high up on the throne, and he thinks that he's untouchable, but basically all it takes is one rock to break the whole castle... And and if he's not careful, that rock some that rock can be anyone. It could even be him. Yeah, because no one is indispensable. There will all be someone coming out smarter than MatPat. If he already thinks he's that smart. In the same vein that there will always be someone crazier than Chris Jen that would come along. And then Chris Jen will simply be irrelevant. Yeah, Matt's a, Matt's a one-trick pony. MatPat's a one-trick pony. It's like it's like comparing Minecraft to Fortnite. Minecraft is a timeless classic that can be played anytime and anyhow anyone wants. But Fortnite is just battle royale, and that's it. And if you, in like probably twenty years, the game's gonna be shut down. It's not gonna be relevant. They're gonna be like, hey, I remember Fortnite, but it's like I can't play it anymore because the game's servers are not on. Oh, I thought it got annoyed with all those screaming kids. Yeah, I'll say that. But there, then there's going to be the new one-trick pony. There's at least one every year in the gaming industry. Sometimes one every generation. There would be some games that would cater to a niche market, but to go all gung-ho and casual, uh, not really. Fortnite, um, there's Fortnite and then there's PUBG. And then, of course, the Mario Brothers, the classics, the old guard, as they say, or the OG. And I, I don't know if Matt Pat is part of the OG, but he tries to make it sound like he's OG on that video where he finally talked about Defy Media. It's like he definitely is. He's been he's been doing game theory consistently for seven years at this point. It's, it's, he, he's been, he's been at this game almost 10 years, like, I'm willing to put him up in the same category as, like, people who have been around for a minute, like, 
if I can remember watching you in middle school, yeah, you've been around for a while. Yeah. The question is, can he last for another while? Will he last as long as he can? Will we make it to 10 years? That's like... Yeah, other runner-ups, like PewDiePie. He's actually gaining some popularity again after his whole scandal and changing his formula videos. He's doing what he can, obviously, to remain relevant. If not, sometimes he's just trying to cater to his fans now, but he has not lost his love for gaming. That's the difference. Like, Just to conclude this, PewDiePie is around because... He has fans waiting for him to create content. MatPat is around because he wanted to make sure that the YouTube algorithm... He still wanted to be that YouTube algorithm guy. That YouTube opt optimization guy. So it's not much of an issue to him now who disses him, who debunks his theories. He just wanted to keep his numbers up. So I am not... I don't remember anyone sharing that he had a bad experience meeting MatPat in person or what but for the most part yeah he would call haters haters and then he would make sure that he's still relevant he's he's like trying to be relevant to a point there are people who just try to be relevant there are people who just try to say yes to their fans like sometimes it's a lot easier to say yes to fans rather than do something simply because you have an ego to maintain So, any conclusions? Uh, I mean, I've, uh, like, like I said, I, uh, I've been, I've watched MatPat for a while, and even when I stopped watching his content, uh, regularly, I've still, he's still, just because of how big of a, a personality he is on the platform, I've been able to keep tabs on him whenever something important is happening, uh, like this whole Defy Media thing, I this is the first time like um, we've uh, or at least any of the creators in my sphere of people that I watch regularly now have mentioned him again because now he's getting caught up in this and a lot of other people are. Um, but I, I I think my point still stands. It's a good channel if you're. A, a bit on the younger side, you don't really care about the validity of X or Y, you just want to watch some fun videos, go for it, man. J yeah, do it. Like, it. Don't let us change your opinions. Don't let us choose what uh, what you want to do. We're just there giving our own peace, because apparently the opinion is something that can change everything and no one wants our, their own opinions anymore, but we have our own. Yes, because sometimes you just have an opinion. It's okay, because on my end, I have an opinion on these that I understand that, yeah, YouTube algorithm, I know, I've been told about the marketing methods that some YouTubers do to remain relevant on this platform. On the other hand, there are some aspects wherein you just need to li listen to your audience as well. You just need to... If you want to come across as this sci who's this theorist who based his theories on science and history and uh, easily verifiable information, then you have to do your part on the on the research as well. 
like yeah because I've been a writer for since uh, 2015 been earning from writing for quite some time now and I end up getting questions as well where did you reference this where did you get this information was it verifiable sometimes I even get questions that who owned the company that published this article like because sometimes you end up seeing the agenda from the first paragraph alone and on MatPat's case you see the agenda on the first five minutes of the video because he would start with the sob story and then he would start about how this inconvenienced him and how it's like some of these videos would like tend to focus on himself and not on the topic so yeah it's an ego thing based on my observation yeah it's 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 ugh. <laughs> it's quite a mess so um any final thoughts before we conclude this episode nah i got uh, nothing I, else to say I, I think after a minute 40 i think we've 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 beaten yeah, this horse we've, we've hit our limit i gotta eat dinner <laughs> yeah same here yeah okay yeah have dinner yeah i just got i just got finished with my brunch here it's uh it's only 11 a.m from where i am or seven minutes before 11 a.m. I'm from the Philippines. Oh yeah, I forgot. Yeah, I, yeah. I was just afraid that the internet connection would get disconnected again, just like the last time that I had. But anyway, well, so, so you've had your final piece. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so. I would be ending uh, this episode right now. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode. Mad Pat, you need to step up on your uh, content. Uh, make it less about your ego and more about your audience, hopefully. If you're shilling f against Nintendo through Mario and shilling in favor of Deltarune and in favor of Friday Nights at Freddy's, just don't make it a little too obvious because... One way or another, it will come out on the internet if you are earning income from them, and also you don't need to use your Catholic, up uh, uh, your Catholic background. If you're Catholic, because remember I'm Catholic too, but I try not to make it up your nose, <laughs> because I don't need to get it up your nose. If you have your own religion to come up with, or if you're atheist, uh, that'd be fine too, because sometimes the best way to make yourself emulatable if, if, if that's such a word if you want it easy for others to emulate you as a role model on YouTube then simply be yourself without being a prick or being um, being an egomaniac about it because sometimes it comes across that way and shout out to Manga Common and to the gamer from Mars please, please don't debate anymore whether <laughs> MatPat is an egotistical guy or not it it would be easier if you just agree stop it just stop Don't. they almost had yeah those two had almost had a debate over the topic of MatPat's content anyway uh, good night everyone and good morning from here in the Philippines good night um, Eastern Standard Time it's just 13 hour difference and so good night uh, bye bye I just want to say one more thing good night Kyle I don't know who Kyle is, but someone named Kyle watching the video. Good night. Okay, good night. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye, everyone. <laughs>